Hello and welcome. You're listening to Epic Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. My name's Joshua. And I'm Grayson. And this episode is entitled, All Creatures, Great and Small, Preparing Livestock for Disaster. On this episode, we discuss the topic of rural disaster preparedness, including insights into large and small livestock management during emergency. When should you evacuate a herd of cattle and when should you shelter in place? To find out, we'll be talking to Dr. Melissa Maggi, an expert in farm emergencies and preparedness, and sharing some tools of the trade that might just save the ranch. All this and more on this episode of Epic Podcast, Current, Relevant, Canadian. So rural emergency preparedness is an important topic that we've wanted to discuss on the show for some time. And as any rural emergency manager can tell you, it takes a different approach compared to larger centers. The hazardscape's unique, and the response capabilities can, in some ways, be much more limited. But what might not be as intuitive to those from urban areas is the fact that rural communities also have their own unique strengths in terms of resilience. Rural communities are often close-knit, and daily self-sufficiency is a prerequisite of rural living. For example, clearing debris to access your home may be a daily chore in the winter, and the lack of municipal utilities may mean less risk of cascading failures for critical infrastructure. You know, I can relate to this personally. I haven't spent a lot of time in rural disaster management, but one of my small experiences was uh, firefighting in the outback of Australia. I was doing a a jackaroo tour on a work visa, and uh, I thought I was going to go set up fences and build cattle yards, but a fire erupted, and I was very surprised when all of a sudden I was a member of the rural fire brigade. You know, all of the neighbors came together and the truck that was just hours ago, a welding rig, swapped it out for a tank. And uh, we did a lot of back burning and, and learned a lot on the job. And it does kind of go to show that people do have to come together out there because they are it. There is no one else coming to the rescue. Yeah, and I, I can say uh, firsthand as well from uh, my days uh, working in the fire service that uh, all of my interactions with rural uh, volunteer fire departments that are often made up of you know a lot of farmers, they are the world's best firefighters. Literally, there's no nothing they can't fix on the spot, and uh, there's an endless uh, uh, supply of uh, mechanical uh, knowledge there. So um, uh, a great resource for, for small communities. So clearly this is a complex issue, and add on top of that some large animals rampaging through the bush uh, during disaster, certainly not something you'd want to tackle without a little bit of knowledge. So let's gain that knowledge right now with Dr. Moggy as she talks about livestock and rural disaster. Hello, my name is Dr. Melissa Moggy, and I am a veterinarian that works with Alberta Farm Animal Care as their extension coordinator. Dr. Moggy, thank you so much for joining us on this epic podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about the organizations you work for and the work you do? Absolutely. Um, I am a contractor, so I work for many animal welfare organizations. Um, Currently, I am working with the National Farm Animal Care Council. I do do work with the National Farmed Animal Health and Welfare Council and, of course, Alberta Farm Animal Care, where I do about the majority of my work with them. Alberta Farm Animal Care is a not-for-profit, provincial, multi-species livestock welfare organization, and our mission is to promote best practices in care and handling by working collaboratively towards continual improvement in responsible, responsible livestock care. Amazing. What sort of 
projects does that entail? How, how do you work towards that goal? That's a really good question. So essentially we divide our, our tasks in industry and public because we want to engage as well the public um, to become aware of animal welfare practices on farm because essentially our public has become extremely separated from agriculture. Um, it used to be where everyone knew a farmer and now people don't even know where their food comes from. It comes from the grocery store. Uh, one of our missions is to, to communicate that with um, the public so that they can better understand and support the agricultural industry. And on the other half of that coin, we work with the industry through events and creating resources to share the information with them so they have all the information available to them to properly care for their animals. You know, it's so interesting you mentioned that separation between where our food comes from and mainstream society. I want to say that's happened in emergency management to some degree as well. A lot of the research and the infrastructure and the conversation around disasters is focused on heavily populated areas, urban areas. And sadly, I think the, the rural complexities are often left out. So can you tell us a little bit about dealing with large animals and preparing uh, farms for disaster? Um, well, when we think about a farm, the locations are often, like you said, in rural areas where we it takes longer for first responders to arrive on scene. And so because of that, by the time first responders usually arrive on an emergency scene, the whatever ha is going on has continue to grow. So if we're talking about a fire, that fire is continuing to grow during that time. And so one of the complexities that we have here is that we need the, the farmers to be especially well prepared in the event of an emergency so that they know what's going on. They have a plan. So when the first responders do show up, everyone can communicate to each other exactly how everything is going to run. A farm isn't just like a barn and a home. It's a bunch of outbuildings. It has uh, a lot of power usually running to those buildings as well as there could be hazardous materials. There is definitely going to be a lot of flammable materials there because we're talking about hay, straw, sawdust. You know, we're going to have bedding for our animals and oftentimes their feed is quite flammable. And of course, there's also the animals on the farm. Um, depending on what kind of animal we're talking about, the very large animals, horses, cattle, they can cause a lot of damage to our first responders and to the farmer um, in an emergency situation. Uh, handling animals, period, does come with a level of risk. But in an emergency situation, the animals are also going to be stressed. They want to get away from that danger. And first responders, when they arrive, can be terrifying. They've never seen a human being in a fire, a fireman's um, outfit. They've never seen a helmet that looks like that. And everything's really reflective. And that's terrifying. Um, we also have to consider um, how those animals are going to be moved. Um, we can't ask the animals just to, you know, stand to the side and just wait for the fire or whatever's going on to get taken care of. We need to have a location that's safe for them, that they can go have food and water and be safe while this emergency is being taken care of. And then, of course, we're just talking about emergencies on farm. We transport animals across our country, across the world every day. Thousands of animals are getting moved around. 
And just like, you know, there are risks with driving a vehicle, there can be accidents on on road with livestock. And that comes with a whole new set of complexities. One thing you sort of mentioned as well was the connection that the people who live there have to their property and to their livestock in the in the city. A home is pretty much just a home. But uh, uh, when we're talking about a farm, that's everything. That's their livestock. That might be even their their family legacy. Uh, it sounds to me like there's far more preparedness that has to go go into it. What, what goes into planning for uh, livestock evacuation? How can we protect livestock? What do first responders need to know? about uh, uh, responding and protecting livestock. One of the things that you mentioned that's a really good point is the connection with the animals. Because I find that sometimes the general public think that farmers don't care about their animals, that you know it's a business. But that's that's really not the case. Um, yes, they are. You know, they are your business, of course. But you you care about these animals. You work with them every day. You know, dairy farmers work with those cows for years. They they know that they they know their their Holsteins just by their spots. They don't need to look at an ear tag. These are animals that they have put a lot of time and energy and care into, and it's really hard for for the farmers to keep a level head. Um, there are, unfortunately, I could tell you many, many stories of, of farmers and farm employees running into burning, burning buildings to save the horses, to save the cattle. And just like, you know, don't run into a burning building to save your dog. It's the same reason. Um, and they don't, they don't come out. And it's, it's heartbreaking that that is the, that's how they feel they have to do. They have to get in and save the animals because there's no help there. But when we're talking about evacuating animals Often we don't evacuate animals unless we absolutely have to. And that's because there's just so many. Uh, A cattle liner that you see on the highway, that usually only carries about 40 cattle. So if we have someone who has hundreds or thousands of cattle, chances are we're not going to be able to get that many liners there to evacuate them. Now, there's always exceptions to this rule. Um, Back a few years ago when there was the bad BC fires, Farmers could take their animals to uh, to different areas like fairgrounds so that the animals could be cared for there. That is amazing that they were able to coordinate that. It's usually just for like horse owners where you can, you have that luxury of being able to put all your animals on one trailer and move them. There are concerns with doing that, of course. You have to consider how am I going to identify my animal? Because in an emergency situation, most likely people aren't going to be keeping great records. Um, They're going to be putting animals in pens when they can. And so we have to be able to identify them. That can be through, you know, tags. It could be through markings. When you're making an emergency plan for your farm, have a thorough list of all the animals that you own and their identifiers. Unfortunately, if we don't have any way to identify these animals, they're going to be impounded. But what we really encourage producers to do when they have a lot of animals is determine how you're going to shelter in place. Know what emergencies are in your area. If you are in a floodplain, if you're going to be sheltering in place during a flood, don't put the animals in the area of the floodplain. If there is fires happening, have them go into a paddock that has plenty of room. If you can, open the gate so they have plenty of room to escape if they can. 
the one thing I tell people that please don't do is just to let your animals free. In the BC fires, unfortunately, you know, that did happen. People just opened the gates and let their animals run. A horse's instinct initially is, is to go back to its safe space. And that safe space is the barn in its stall. It doesn't matter if the barn and the stall are on fire, the horse will still go back. And so you have to have that plan of where the horses or whatever animals we're talking about are going to be. Where are you going to shelter them? How are they going to have feed and water while they're there as well? You should have a plan for food and water for about a week. I know that, you know, we always hear um, have a 72-hour emergency kit. That's great in an urban setting. That's probably going to take a longer period of time. And the reason why a lot of people also shelter in place is because they are just so attached to those animals, to that place. That is their home. And they don't, and they want to protect it as much as possible. You know, I can think of a lot of historical examples of, of people basically refusing evacuation orders because they have to take care of the farm. The Red River floods jump to mind. Uh, it's very interesting to me to hear that uh, even in an emergency, no notice evacuation is not just slash the fences and leave. When we talk about livestock, I envision cows and horses and whatnot, but you were talking about maybe some smaller livestock uh, animals that caught me by surprise. Yeah, so livestock um, doesn't just include, you know, chickens, uh, cows, pigs, it includes insects as well. And so bees are considered livestock. And Alberta Farm Animal Care is currently working on a project to develop uh, resources for beekeepers. And part of that is about emergency preparedness. A large part of that focus is on fire prevention because we use smoke when handling bees. And of course, anytime there's smoke, there is fire and there's potential for more fire if there's a combustible substance around. And so we, we instruct beekeepers to keep the area around their hives well trimmed and free of any combustible substances. And we remind them that they have to make sure that the smoker is completely put out before putting it back in their vehicle um, because there are stories of smokers reigniting in the car on their way home from handling bees. So be prepared very much uh, <laughs> the, uh, the theme there. Where can people go to find out more? And what are some tips and pearls that you could leave us with? So people can go to our website at afac.ab.ca for more information. We have an emergency preparedness uh, page and that has lots of great resources for you. And a lot of those resources have forms prepared to help you develop a farm emergency plan. We also at Alberta Farm Animal Care have two resources that I always encourage people to be aware of. The first one is our alert line, and that is a 1-800-confidential call line that anyone can call if they have concerns about how farm animals are being treated. If you have questions about livestock care, um, if you see livestock in an emergency, um, and if you need support taking care of your livestock, we also use the alert line to dispatch the emergency livestock handling equipment trailers, which is another resource that we have in Alberta that I really want people to become more aware of. We have 19 trailers throughout the province, and they're all, except for one that is kept by the Alberta SPCA, they're all housed at county fire departments. 
and they are essentially equipped with everything that you would need for a large animal emergency. Each trailer varies a little bit depending on its location and what livestock are more prevalent in that area. For example, um, if you're in uh, southern Alberta, you, you have more equipment to deal with, you know, beef cattle um, than if you're in an area that has more more swine. You can get those through um, calling 911 or you can call the alert line and we can dispatch it for you. And the alert line call number is 1-800-506-2273. Dr. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us for this epic podcast. Uh, amazing preparedness tips, uh, not just for people living in a rural setting, but for people responding to a rural setting. Thank you so much for everything you do to help us and keep us prepared. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a great conversation, uh, uh, really interesting examples. And I had no idea that uh, a rural or a, a cattle car carried 40 cows. So when you think about some of these large operations with thousands of heads of uh, cattle, uh, that would be quite a, an endeavor to try and evacuate. I think, you know, we definitely need to uh, circle back and, and we've got some plans on the show later on to uh, include this in future episodes because there is some really interesting projects we've been following and some innovative solutions for rural emergency uh, managers in particular. And oftentimes these are positions that aren't full-time. You're like a 0.5 emergency manager or maybe it's something you even just do off the side of your desk in addition to your other duties. So um, it's uh, really neat seeing how some rural communities have been able to leverage their EM resources. In the meantime, we'd like to leave you with a couple of tools of the trade that Dr. Moggy did mention. Uh, the first one I'd like to cover is the Alberta Farm Animal Care uh, Emergency Preparedness website. I'll drop the link in the show notes, but they've got all sorts of great resources, including uh, some background information on how to get prepared, emergency preparedness for farm animals, emergency response on the farm, what to have in your emergency response kit on the farm. And then the one that I liked was the ICE, the, the in case of emergency form for each of your, your farm animals, a little bit of a background for the responders um, and how they can better prepare themselves to rescue that animal should it come to it. Yeah, and if you're a first responder, uh, you should know that there are a number of uh, courses oriented towards first responders to deal with uh, livestock emergencies. Uh, and there's also a network of emergency livestock handling equipment, and it varies from province to province. So you should check with what your local resources are. But as an emergency manager, you should know how to access those resources and, and uh, realize what's available in your communities. And that's all for this episode of Epic Podcast. A big thanks to Dr. Moggy for sharing her time and expertise with us on the topic of rural and livestock disaster preparedness. But before we go, I'd like to acknowledge our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by ATB. With ATB Cares, giving is easy. Donate through ATB Cares, and ATB will match 20% of every dollar donated to eligible Albertan charities, maximizing the impact of your donation. Visit atbcares.com to choose your cause and donate today. This episode was also brought to you by Rumi, who have put together a quick message for you right now. Hi there, I'm Brendan, a certified home inspector with Rumi. Do you have a problem that needs fixing? Whether it's big or small, inside or outside, let me help you find out what's really going on. You can call me by phone, or we can take a look together over video chat. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I and go to Ask a Home Inspector to book your appointment with me today. 
You've been listening to an Epic Podcast production, a proud partner of the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada and a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. As always, Epic Podcasts are designed as a supplementary educational tool for the EM professional on the go. The views and opinions explored during this podcast do not necessarily represent the agencies or organizations that we or our guests may belong to. For more information about the show or the people on it, visit our website at epicpodcast.ca or follow us on Twitter at username Epic Podcast. Stay tuned for more on the next episode of Epic Podcast, current, relevant, Canadian.